Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. Hey, hey, friends. Today we have a treat because I would imagine if you're listening to the show, you have put an offer out into the world. Maybe you've put in like three or four offers and maybe one of them's hit, like hit well. You loved delivering the offer. Your audience and clients loved receiving the offer. People got great results. And now it is time to relaunch that offer. That is why Amisha Schumacher is on the show today. She's a launch copywriter and a growth revenue consultant. She writes launch copy for digital products and also works as a growth revenue consultant for seven-figure clients. And she is all about looking to the data, knowing what parts to pay attention to, and how to use that to tweak your message, relaunch in a good way, and ultimately deliver a better service to your clients. With that, let's hop into the interview. All right, Amisha, welcome. Hey, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So before we dive into talking a little bit about offer and logistics and making things work for your people and all of that fun stuff we're here for, can you give us just a real quick rundown on how you got to be where you are today? Yeah. Okay. I started my business in 2018. That's kind of when I was, uh, I came onto the scene, so to speak, and I was doing other things in the online space, trying to like, you know, maybe, maybe my calling is business coaching. Maybe I should do life coaching, all the things like, right. We all go through these like different avenues. Like, I don't know what's my thing. And I started reviewing a lot of my peers copy at the time. Uh, and, you know, they were sending me landing pages or send me emails to look at. And I kind of liked what I was doing and I didn't know I could get paid to just write you know, do that all day long. You know, you it's one of those things. And I had a couple of my own funnels running in my business. And I would always notice that people would buy every time I would send out an email. And that kind of like made me really happy. And I was like, oh, I should do more of this thing. So long story short, enrolled into Copy Hackers, went, you know, went through all their programs, did everything. And I really discovered a love for writing copy. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I found my thing. This was 2018. And I officially launched my copywriting business back then. Looks very different from what it is today. And yeah, I am entering my fourth year in business. My offers look different. So I have a company called The Copy Crew and we're a small team and we work with online course creators, membership site owners and high ticket coaches. And there's a Den For You site, agency site. I offer coaching as well uh, to copywriters and I am you know, now getting into consulting as well. So yeah, three different ways to work with me. <laughs> I love that. And I, I just want to make a note of, of something you said in there. You just kind of slid in. You were like, and it looks very different than it did when I first started this. <laughs> and I think for most of us, that's kind of, you know, how the, the whole thing goes. I think, you know, a brick and mortar business, if you start as like a plant shop, you're probably going to kind of stay as a plant shop. But when we're, we're online, you know, it really only takes just um, a few, you know, rewords on your, your home homepage or your sales page. And you can kind of change who you're serving or change yeah. the tenor of your offer fairly easily. Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, you know, we're creatives, we're visionaries. We can't just keep doing one thing for too long. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know I kind of get bored and I'm like, all right, what's the next thing? I need to kind of like think of a new offer and see if this sticks and if I like it, right? Because there's two parts, like have I got people buying it and do I enjoy delivering it? So it's got to it's got to be both ways. There's got to be a product fit. And in this case, uh, creator, product, and market fit to make this whole thing 
you know, dance. So. And I think that's a huge thing, right? So you can be good at something and not enjoy doing it. And you can be good at something and really enjoy doing it. And people might not still buy it. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, as a, as a business owner, you have to make a business type decision on some of those things at times. But if you really despise doing it, you're not going to stick around for probably not even the short haul, but definitely not for the long haul. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some offers die an untimely death and like, uh, yeah, let's, let's put this, you know, <laughs> one of those things, file it under, never are we going to do this again? So yeah, it, it, it does happen. So, so, you know, on, on the flip side, you know, maybe something that you do want to make happen again, um, <laughs> you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, a, a secondary launch, a third launch, a fourth yep. launch here. Let's assume that your offer did sell in the first round, but maybe you want to make some tweaks or, or maybe it didn't sell as well as you had hoped, but it did sell, you know, it is a validated offer. Like what, what are we looking at here? Yeah, that's a great question. So when you are, say you have an offer that worked, okay. That that's one of the first things, like did the offer work? Is it a proven, you know, do we have proof of concept here, which is great. And, you know, that's what I help with most of my clients. Like, you know, they come to me and they're like, Hey, we did the scrappy first launch. It worked. We sold. Now what? All right, great. Let's take a look at your offer and let's optimize it. That's where I start with most of my uh, launch copy clients. Like, let's just take a look at your offer. What worked, what didn't. And, you know, a lot of copywriters, digital marketers, you know this term, you, you understand it as launch debrief. We take a look at that. There's definitely more than just doing a launch debrief. We kind of like take a look at it and say, let's just optimize the entire offer. So the way I look at it is, I work with a market researcher. She was, you know, on your podcast, Melissa Harstein, and uh, I hire her and she would go in to do these uh, interviews. So, you know, she would talk to students who've been through the program, through the offer. She would talk to people who did not buy if you are, you know, so kind enough to get those responses because those are harder to schedule. Like, you know, when you have clients who went through the entire promotion, sat through it, but did not buy, but they are still hanging out on the creator's list, the client's email list. We're like, hey, would you just, you know, give us a few uh, sound bites? So current students, people who did not buy, and then obviously there is surveys, right? So there's VOC data, VOC meaning voice of customer interviews and uh, and surveys. We look at all of this, three different sources of information. And I am looking at to see, especially when it comes to student surveys, I'm looking to see, hey, did they complete the program? What are their completion rates look like? You know, specific feedback on the course, like the teaching style, how easy was it to find all the content? Was it too much or too little? Uh, did it meet their expectations wherever they are in their journey? You know, what were their wins? What were their outcomes? The duration of the course, the course platform itself. Sometimes people tell me like, I hate, and you know, I'm just giving an example here. I'm not saying, I'm not uh, dissing on the platform. (laughs) Kajabi, like, oh my God, I hate it. It's wonky and I can't find things. Example, you know, the student support. How well was a student supported if it's, especially if it's a course or a group coaching program? I mean, was there enough support? Like where their office are? So we look at all these different things just to kind of understand what can be optimized and what can't be. And I always want to answer two questions when I'm looking at offer optimization. The goal is to essentially improve the student experience and their outcomes, right? Because that's what we are in service for, especially in the online world. I mean, are we improving their life in some sort of way? Um, Do we need to add something to the offer to improve that, take it up a notch? Or do we need to even remove something because it's, you know, our students are like dying under so much content. And that does happen, right? We have like these really 
uh, enthusiastic clients are like, oh, I want to give them this and I want to give them that and throw this. And, you know, maybe not everybody needs that. You kind of need to like take it down a notch, like remove content. It's okay. Remove a few bonuses. You know, they're like gasping, like what? I'm like, no, really, they don't need 10 different bonuses to make this work. And if that's the case, then I would seriously want to look at your offer. Like what is going on? Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And they probably didn't buy for the bonuses anyway. I mean, I know that's why people originally started adding bonuses into into offers to tip people over when they were like on the cusp. But but I think you make a really good point. If it's that necessary, why didn't you include it in the main offer? Exactly, right? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. So bonuses need to be intentional too. So, you know, we kind of like take everything and look at everything. And then once we get all this data, we're like, okay, what can we, does the program offer need to be tweaked? Do we need to, you know, reduce the content? Like if it's a six month coaching program, my gosh, people aren't finishing. It's overwhelming. They're not sticking around. They're definitely not completing. Do we need to have like a boot camp sort of a version and kind of like get people enrolled in that way? Maybe it's a shorter, you know, duration, a different price point. So there are all these different things when you kind of look at offer optimization, when you're going in for your relaunch, because you have so much more data now that it's out there. It's a living, breathing thing. You're like, all right, how can I tweak this to kind of like better serve my audiences? Basically, that's just step one. That's one thing. There's so many other ways we can kind of take this to another notch. So when you say that, right? So I'm going to pose a an all yeah. you know a scenario. Yeah. Let's say, okay, so you have a program. It's like a hybrid, like course and group support program. And, you know, one of the pieces of feedback you're getting from people why they're not finishing the program is that the support calls are not at a good time for them. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you do with that? Like, let's say, and I'm, I'm just giving my own situation here. You know, if I were sure. to offer group calls in a program right now, they would be very carefully picked. I have a really tight schedule, so <laughs> they'd be picked largely based on my ability to show up. So, you yeah. know, what would someone would do with that info? Is that something where you're like, okay, if they're not working do we look at different ways to offer that support so people can move through the program or do we change it from group calls to something else since the group calls aren't working? Like how do we parse through the different pieces of information to make it an offer that works for the, the audience for the offer, but also something that doesn't become like we said at the beginning, kind of that chore that you don't really want to do in your business. Yeah, that's a great question. So would you say that the group calls are not effective or they are effective, but we're just not getting people to show up? Um, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't a made up scenario. So let's, let's go with, um, people aren't showing up. All right. People aren't showing up. So one of the things like I I've had this because I run a group coaching program as well. I don't get, and this is the reason for that is because my students are not just in North America, they're all over the world. So we have students in Australia, students in India. I have somebody from Africa. So they are definitely not showing up at that particular time zone. So one of the things I'd like to do, and because I mean, I can do this because I have a very smaller cohort, like every time we launch and we get like, you know, 10, 20 people on the onboarding survey, I would ask them like, Hey, what is your time zone? Just to get a sense of like, who's coming in and, you know, you know, where they are. And if that is a time zone that works. And then I kind of like look at the data and say like, okay, we've got a split. 50% of, of these people are in North America and 50% are there. So I kind of like very, one thing I do is so just to give everybody an equal opportunity to show up like, Hey, we're running some of the calls in the program. They're going to be at 12 a, 12 p.m. Eastern. 
whoever's in North America kind of can make it, maybe or maybe not. And then some of the calls in the program are run like, you know, at a time. There, there's never going to be one thing that everyone's going to agree upon, but something like more of an evening time. Yes, it's a little inconvenient for me, but I think that's okay for, you know, I'm, I'm okay to do that just so I can be of service to the remaining people in the cohort. Like, hey, I'm so glad you did this because then I can show up live to the call. So that's one way to kind of like, you know, uh, encourage maybe show up, uh, you know, call show up times and stuff like that. The other thing is there's always that comfort that, you know, these calls are recorded. So that's one thing. And they ha- they can go back. If you have the bandwidth of having a support coach in your program, I, I mean, I don't do this, but I, I, you know, if somebody, if you're running a much bigger pro- uh, coaching program, and if you have like another coach who can kind of like, hey, let me just reach out one on one to see where people are, kind of like that accountability support coach, like, hey, what's going on? Where are you stuck? Is there anything that we can do? That's just an extra level, uh, extra layer of human touch <laughs> that you can add to your program maybe, or you can do this yourself. I did that. I do. I still do that for my group coaching programs. Like we have a Slack channel. That's another thing that I like because taking, take the conversations off Facebook and kind of keep it more intimate. There are people not distracted. I just reach out to them like, you know, every now and then like, Hey, how are you doing? I noticed you haven't been coming up to the calls and that's okay. Is there anything that I can help you with? And maybe even doing a video ask. And, you know, people like to see that personal touch outside of just the program, like send them an email, like, hey, a video ask, like what's going on? Can you give me feedback? What can I help you with? So these are these little touches that you can add. So those have worked. And um, yeah, it's just a testing thing too. I like that because you're acknowledging that something wasn't working in a previous lunch and a previous yeah. offer, figuring out ways to do it, but not necessarily having to change how everything works for you still offering support to people. Like I, yeah. I love the personal reach out in particular, yeah. but um, not being like, Oh, I have to change everything because it wasn't working. And right. Yeah. yeah. You still want to like honor your own boundaries, right? Like this is what I can do. And especially and that's just one piece of data. Like look at overall, if you're delivering results and people are getting wins and they are making the ROI, like, especially if you're teaching something like money related, like I'm going to teach you the skill so you can make money. And I'm speaking from personal experience, even if they don't show up to the calls, they are, because I'm in touch with them one-on-one through DMs or other ways, they are letting me know like, Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate your checking in. This is how much I've covered. And I've already got a client and I'm like, super, it doesn't matter if you don't show up to the call, you're already getting your win. So it's important to keep that connection going. Yeah. Very good. Cool. Okay. So, so we've, we've talked about the, looking at different things in the offer, different areas where you could see results, not really see results. Um, how do we look through all that data? I mean, I'm a data person. I am like big yeah. into measuring things, yeah. but what would we be looking for in particular? When it comes to uh, improving the offer? Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that you want to look at is when I have all this and I'm going back to my program, looking at the sales page and looking at the copy and looking at the offer, I want to make sure a few questions I want to really get, uh, you know, very specific because I'm going to be using that in my marketing. Is my big promise still clear? Like the promise I started when I first did this beta launch, is it still the same after I've gone through one round or even two rounds of this program? Like, does my promise need to be tweaking? Does it need more to be more specific than it was, right? I could make changes to that. And, you know, promises can vary, right? Between your first and maybe your 10th launch. Do I need to kind of improve my risk reversal, uh, the guarantee, 
right? Before, like, so here's the thing. I'll give you an example. One of the clients whose sales pages that I audited, um, she had a three-month program and her guarantee was 14 days. And I kind of like, and this is something that I would make a recommendation to clients like, hey, great program. One of your core things, the core outcome, the promise of the program was for someone to get a PR opportunity. And I'm like, but they're not going to be looking into if they can get a PR opportunity until they get to module two, which is month two. And you're kind of like giving them that chance to like, you know, the refund guarantee is like a 14 day. It just doesn't make sense. And it's a bit of a risk thing. Like, can you extend it to at least 30 days? Because by then they will at least know how to send one of their first PR pitches and then let them decide like, this is, is this even worth it? But to kind of like, you know, take away that chance from them. Like I haven't even tried. I don't even know if this is worth, right? So there's one thing you can extend the length of your guarantee. Like I guarantee you within 60 days, even after the program is done. And this is a little bit of a risk. And this is how well you have that positioning in the marketplace and how well is, you know, strong your offer is and you've got a lot of results. Even if you can like extend the guarantee after the program is over, that's just, that's a real badass move. And some creators, some clients can do that and not, not everybody, but I would look at one of those things that can you extend the guarantee length? The other thing is, um, is there a gap between what the students are expecting and what previous offers have delivered? So you may start out with a starter program, a starter course, like a bootcamp level offer. Like, Hey, we're going to meet for four weeks. I'm going to make sure you get this one win, one pro one program promise, one win. Excellent. When you relaunch, can you kind of like add a tier two to your offer? Like, you know, tier one was, I'll give you an example of, uh, with my coaching program. I have a program called the Audit Superstar. So my tier one, when I, when we did the second time launch was you get in and I'll help you audit sales pages. And if you learn this one skill, you will, you will have mastered it. You'll be able to confidently offer this service and you'll make your money back in the program. That was great. Some people got in just because they wanted to learn that one skill. For the people who wanted to do more than just looking at sales pages, I'm like, all right, tier two is where you're going to learn a whole lot more, not just sales pages. You're going to, you know, you, you'll know how to audit digital courses. You'll know how to audit email sequences. You'll know how to audit webinar funnels. It's a whole nother thing. And yes, we attracted people in that too. So, and of course, once they're in tier one, you still want to keep that relationship going within the student, you know, with the students in the program, like, Hey, awesome. You've success. You've successfully sold an audit. Do you still want to kind of like upgrade and go to tier two? So that's another way to get them, uh, you know, have that conversation going, but yeah, it's just like, you know, mixing it up with the offer and doing testing different things and seeing like, Hey, did this work? Did this not work? Like, should I just not offer tier two anymore? And just like have that as a, you know, upsell once they're in tier one and not talk about it in my next launch. You can do that as well. So there's always something to learn. Does that kind of like help answer the question a bit? Yeah, I love how you gave really concrete options for for kind of, you know, judging the offer, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. And and I really appreciate how you called out the guarantee. I, I feel like a lot of sales pages out there um, do. They offer like that 15-day guarantee on a six-month program. And you're like, yeah. I've barely read through the welcome material at that point. I don't know if this is good. And um, a particular pet peeve of mine is, you know, guarantees that aren't really a guarantee. You know, it's like the guarantee, like if you submit to me all the coursework that you have done, proving that you didn't just sit there, we'll give you a refund. And I'm like, well, there are other reasons the program might not be a good fit for someone outside of the coursework, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you're really confident in your offer, 
if you've got, you know, the stuff to back it up, as you were saying, yeah. You, yeah. you have the power to offer a little bit more than that and, you know, extend some trust that you're asking people to give to you back towards them as well. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have people who will go for that, right? Like I want my mm-hmm. money back and you, there, there's always going to be that kind of clientele coming in. And to, you know, I say like, all right, all right, good riddance. And, you know, I wish you well, if, you know, they mm-hmm. really came in with those negative intentions, but then there's sometimes, like you said, there are genuine cases where they just can't, uh, you know, continue with the program. I'm like, you know, I understand. And that that's okay. And I think, I don't know, I think it was Ramit Sadie. I don't remember the exact number, but he said, if you're not getting refunds issued, then you're just not playing a big enough game or something like that. You, you know, you've got to be still bold with your marketing, bold with your promise. Like, you know, if I, like you're saying, and I'm, I said that, but you just uh, told me again that, you know, you've, you've just got to be confident in your offering what you can offer and back it up and uh, see what happens. So when, I mean, speaking to that confidence piece, right? So we're talking about, you know, things we can do to relaunch an offer. So some yeah. of this is what I'm about to ask is a little more like first offer, you know, pre-validation. But, you know, when someone has a good offer, it's pretty easy to confidently relaunch. And you know that you're going to be tweaking some things along the way. There's always small percentage gains that you can make. But when somebody is offering something new, mm-hmm. it's a little bit harder to have that confidence. And this is you know, to that guarantee, right? Like, is there a specific thing that you recommend to people on that first round versus the second? If you're launching something for the first time, uh, one specific thing I will advise is do this as a, think of it as a starter program or think of it as a starter course. Like, you know, don't launch a six month program if you've never launched a program before or you've never got somebody the results kind of go conservative, do a four week boot camp or an accelerator or, you know, six weeks or something small just to like, you know, get them that first quick win. But if you're, you know, with a six month program, you know, those quick wins are very hard to come by. So my advice is like, if you're starting something for the first time, you're launching something for the first time, keep it small, uh, go all in with your promise do it as a starting thing. Like, Hey, we're going to do this together. It's a boot camp. Like when I launched my program the first time I call it the boot camp. I was like, this is a four week boot camp with one thing and one thing only you're going to learn how to audit sales pages. That was my promise. And, you know, if you like it at this point, you know, great, come along with for the ride. Cause I'm going to be delivering this content live. And, uh, that was it. So I, I kept it small. The second time I launched, I was like, all right, you have an option. Like I said, tier one is four weeks and we're done. Tier two in total is an eight week program. So I kind of went like a little, I was a little bolder. I was like, all right, I've successfully delivered a four week. I think I can do another four weeks and teach them all the other things that I have. So yeah, start small, go all big on one promise. Make sure your program can deliver that one, you know, a couple of quick wins early because when they see that and they see that confidence, you know, they feel like, oh man, I can do this. With smaller programs, it's easier to deliver those quick wins for the clients. That's really great. I, I love the, the tier one and tier two idea, right? So yeah. I've heard so many people talk about like offer levels, right? Like you have your entry-level offer, you have your mid-level, you know, all that stuff. Your entry level offer doesn't have to be like a little tiny, you know, ebook online. Your entry level offer doesn't have to be 
like, you know, you're, you're calling out, you're like, Hey, we can have like a four week boot camp, something that really dives in, gives them those quick wins and introduces them straight away into that tier two thing, which yeah. doesn't have to be, you know, something that goes from four weeks to a year, you can still have a nice like <laughs> progression there. Right. The yes. teaching on, on how to handle some of these things is a little bit confusing for people and it doesn't remind people and it doesn't reintroduce people to the idea that you are literally just helping people with one problem and then another problem and then another. Yes. I like to go back to the rule of one in direct response marketing, copywriting, keep it. I mean, it's not keep it simple, but it's really one offer, one promise, one outcome, one big idea. Let's just stick to that and you'll be fine for the first program that you launch. And uh, yeah, sometimes you kind of like get blindsided and you like lose the thing like, oh, I want to do a certification. And I and those are all good, great offers, but it's really developed over like tons of one-on-one coaching or like, you know, offering like multiple iterations of your one program and kind of like, you know, being so perfected in your delivery and the promises and the outcomes. That's when you're like, all right, I can think of launching a year long mastermind because that's when you want to get to that level. But when you're starting out, yeah, let's just keep it simple and just kind of like, you know, really iterate the heck out of this, improve it and all the things. So before we close up, if there was one thing you wanted people to pay attention to or remember (laughs) when they're talking about uh, relaunching an offer, what would it be? I would say take a look at your data. Uh, Take a look at, and I know generic and as like, you know, obvious as it sounds, but like any relaunch, just go back to what your people have, uh, you know, to tell you there, you know, keep your ears to the ground kind of thing. Like listen to what they're saying in the program itself while you're having those conversations. Like even if you're in, you know, midway, do a midway check with the people in your program, like at a two week point, like send out an email with a video ask like, Hey, how's it going? What feedback do you have to give me? Or if it's an eight week program, you know, week four, midway through the program, send them that email saying like, hey, I'm just checking in. Where are you at with this? What would you like to see improve? Like, how can I help you? Collect all that data make sure the data, you're always collecting that information and then go back and see like, all right, where are my people getting stuck? What are they, you know, where are they experiencing their quick wins? Like, oh, 80% of my people are experiencing quick wins around week two. That is something that I could talk about, not just in my marketing, but I need to kind of like bring that up and blow it up in my content as well as I'm looking at this, uh, you know, this data. So yeah, data, data, data. You're a data nerd, Brittany. I, I am. <laughs> you're singing, you're singing my, uh, I have heard your episodes yeah. and I'm like, okay, I, I, I like her already. And I'm a data nerd. So I think your people are your best source of information. You hear from them, take that and then kind of like, you know, go and beef up your offer or however you want to do it or your marketing or messaging. Perfect. Well, Amisha, where can people find you if they are interested in finding out more about what you've been talking about here, if they're interested in learning more about copy in general? Yeah. Well, easiest is my website, thecopycrew.com. I so hang out on Instagram, same handle, at thecopycrew. And uh, yeah, these are two places where you can find me and um, yeah, <laughs> and, and get all the juice. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. You guys know that Amisha was speaking to my little data loving heart. I love how much we talked about that, but also how to use it. I mean, knowing how to ask the right questions of your numbers is the whole point of having your numbers in the first place. Otherwise, it's just more details to bog you down, right? When we're talking about relaunching and optimizing offers, we can't talk about it without talking about data. But I love how well Amisha called out the different things we should be looking at. What that 
data can tell us and how we can make it better for our people, ultimately delivering a better product, delivering better on our big promise to them, and making sure that more people get the results that they were paying for in the first place. So if you enjoyed this episode, do us a solid, go ahead and rate and review this on Apple Podcasts. Five stars are preferred. And if you have listened to more than one episode, but you like one better than the other, please tell me that. It helps me create and deliver better content for you. See you guys next week. Mm